0: Happy New Year and welcome to the Third City Christian Church podcast. This week's message is Enough, recorded Sunday, January 1st, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Josh with today's message. This, This word that rolled through my head this year as I was preparing for this message the last few weeks was this idea of enough. And uh, when, our, when our bodies tell us that we've had enough, when you've had enough, when enough is enough, uh, I had a friend in high school uh, that we had this habit that uh, usually once a week we would go to Godfather's Pizza in, um, in Papillion and his body literally did not know how to tell him when enough was enough and it was really humorous to watch and I had never come across anyone else. Uh, that that was their reality uh, until Christmas weekend. Because, you know, here in the United States, celebrate holidays, there's going to be plenty of food, right? And I asked permission to share this story with you, but I'm going to keep the names to protect the innocent. Uh, As I was sitting at a table following uh, Christmas dinner uh, later into the afternoon, evening, uh, one member of my family all of a sudden just stood up, didn't say a word, and off to the other room they went. And you could hear that their body had not told them when enough was enough. And that was, like, incredible. I hadn't witnessed that since I was 18. So, hey, we're glad that you're here worshiping with us. If you're worshiping with us online, uh, if you're in your pajamas online, if you're in the plaza, if you're in Broken Bow, or if you're here in the room, or if you wore your pajamas into the room, welcome. It's exciting to get to celebrate who Christ is, and celebrating a new year together. What I want to do for you today um, is I'm going to contrast the lives of two people that uh, I believe were, were um, looking for when is enough enough, and one of them found an answer and one of them didn't. And the one that found the answer, I think, is going to provide us a little direction when it comes to that elusive New Year's resolution because you can't really talk about a new year, right? People set goals. Uh, they get excited about what the next year is going to hold. We look back and we go, man, what was 2022 like? Uh, what do I not want to revisit again from 2022? Uh, what do I want to bring new into my life in 2023? And I think that's why this idea of enough was rattling through my brain is because I was asking myself, when can we find contentment? When do we find ourselves in a place where enough is enough? And it can be very elusive, and it can be hard to find, it can be hard to, to grasp with our hands. And the, uh, the first person that I want to talk about is the, is the man that wrote the book, of Ecclesiastes. Now, if you are a deep thinker, the writer of this book, I want to tell you, he goes through, um, he goes through the entire book just really searching for meaning and purpose in life. You can see it's someone that, uh, you ever met those people that really want to sit down and talk at length for things when you're like, you want to be done after like five minutes, but they're just getting started, you know? Uh, I think they were one of those types of people, and, and through this entire book, see him revisiting all these different aspects of his life, and, and, and he, was, he was trying to examine what purpose they held, what joy they brought, and, and did it truly serve to define his life? And so I had to pick one piece of this, and I chose Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Starting with verse 1, it says this, the writer says, I thought in my heart, come, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish, and so what, what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. So it was a guy that recognized that life is brief. There's not much that's given. I'm in search for what gives purpose and what is worthwhile in life. And so here are some of the things that he tried. And you can read the rest of the book. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're that type of thinker, it's an intriguing book to read. He undertook great projects I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of a man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. It doesn't say that he made the wisest choices in the world, but he's illustrating to you to the depths that he explored when is enough enough. What will make the heart of that man content? He was exploring it. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I want you to think about that statement for a minute. In a society and a culture that more and more is never enough, if he laid eye on something and he wanted it, he took it for himself. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for my labor. So here's, here's the product. Here's the verdict. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. As I venture to come in and talk to you about contentment today, I realize something that based on my own personality, I struggle with this idea of being content with what I have, with what I don't have, with what I would hope to have. And it can have a broad range of things. It can be silly, ridiculous things that I find myself every day checking the Facebook marketplace to see if there is another motorcycle for sale that I might get a deal. I find myself chasing a better and better cup of coffee with every cup that I make. And those of you that know, those are my two hobbies. Uh, but it can also go to the depths of things that are very important and very intimate of going, I want more from my relationships than sometimes what they can offer. Uh, I want more from, uh, from myself Professionally, and I find myself pushing myself. And I realized as I was prepping this message that there's times that when you're sitting in the seat that you are in right now, you might make a mistake of assuming that because I've been given a microphone and because I've been given a role, that I'm some kind of expert. Many, I would say more often than not, that when you're listening to Scott, Dan, Parker, myself, Brendan, Anyone else that's up here on stage with a microphone in front of their face and a position to speak from, you're hearing firsthand what we are struggling through as we communicate. And my personality is constantly wanting more, and sometimes it's more in a in a good way, and sometimes it's more in a very worldly, selfish, uh, selfish way that isn't God honoring at all. And so, as we look into this, I'm looking at this writer of Ecclesiastes. And you guys know what it's like, the day after Christmas when the mess is there. When was enough enough? Was it meaningless? Like, you know, when your kids are super excited the moment they open their gifts, and it's not even hours later, and everything is just on the floor, and it's just a mess. And it's like, it was meaningless, you know? So much thought so much effort so much creativity went into it did it hold any meeting and i know this you're trying to create memories right you're trying to create relationship and memory uh, with what you're doing and i look at the writer of ecclesiastes in his pursuit of contentment couldn't find it and it was so elusive when he was chasing anything in creation anything in creation it didn't satisfy his palate was not uh his thirst was not quenched his palate was not uh satisfied with what was brought to the table it was meaningless in fact that word meaningless was used over 30 times through the book of Ecclesiastes, he wanted it to be perfectly clear that his pursuit of meaning in life was not found in anything in creation. I found that so fascinating because he had an endless amount of resources to pursue it uh, and he he had what seemed an endless amount of effort that he put towards it as well. And the result was meaningless. I said I was gonna contrast two people. In the New Testament, we find a man named Paul. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, He's a man that that God saved later in life, uh, that God brought salvation his way. He responded to the gospel and gave his life to the gospel. He gave his life to the carrying of the good news of Jesus Christ, born, living a sinless life, being crucified, raising again from the dead, all for the sake of sinful humanity. And he gave his life to that. And in the course of doing that, in 2 Corinthians, he lays out what that brought his way. It was very different from the writer of Ecclesiastes. The writer of Ecclesiastes was like, Man, I'm building buildings, I'm planting gardens, I'm all these beautiful things, I'm, I'm building a business, amassing wealth, my household is growing, fame and fortune and, and, and influence is all at my fingertips. And Paul, as he pursued Christ and as he pursued bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, what was brought to him was being shipwrecked multiple times, being stranded at sea, being beaten, being persecuted. Um, being um, being lied about. Uh, And on top of all of that, he said, I carry this immense pressure that I care so much about the future of the church on top of everything else that's going on in my life. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, not only that, but I have a thorn that's been given to me in my flesh. And theologians say, they, they're not sure. They assume that it was actually a physical ailment. It could have been any number of things. It could have been, I mean, stress like that in your life, it might bring an ulcer, right? A few nights shipwreck at sea, uh, a few years in prison, uh, being, starving, uh, he said that he was naked at times, like all of that, it might create an <laughs> ulcer. Uh, it, they also say it may have been like a speech impediment or anxiety, or, which honestly could have been brought on from all of that stuff, whatever it was, He said that he pleaded with God to take it away. And he was was going, I have all of this other stuff. God, would you please remove this thorn that is in my flesh? And theologians argue whether it was a physical thorn or maybe it was a spiritual one. uh, Maybe maybe he had sin that he continued to struggle with and he was like, "Uh, I I, I, I need this taken away. I don't need one more thing. And here's what... Here's what Paul recalls to the church in Corinth. He said this. I'm going to read verse, I'm only going to have verse 9 and 10, I believe, on the screen, but I'm going to read uh, starting from verse 7. He said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, because he was rejoicing in how... Even in the midst of chaos, God was revealing things to him about his kingdom that were glorious and wonderful. Uh, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, this is Paul talking now, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I spent no less than two hours with this phrase going through my head. It's going to sound really ridiculous, but I think it's very powerful Paul stated in the midst of him wanting God to remove a piece of pain, someone that had already endured plenty of pain over the course of his life, and in in the process of him pleading with God to have it taken away, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And this made, me, this made me think about um, how I would look at 2023, how I might look at setting a New Year's resolution for 2023. And I was hoping that it might challenge you in the same manner with what you might do in 2023. Because I was thinking about if, If the writer of Ecclesiastes could do all of these great things, I'm not talented in starting businesses and building orchards and building reservoirs. I'm trying to think of how I would even go about, how I go about doing something like that, like uh, engineering wise. I wouldn't know where to begin. But I think God is calling me to grow continually. He's asking me to take steps. And those steps he's asking me to take are constantly towards him and so what can those steps look like and i had this thought go through my head that i constantly overthink things and i wonder if you might be doing it as well with what direction god might want you going in 2023 is what if god is wanting you to simply look at grace being sufficient for you and all the things that you think you need and all the ways that you think you're lacking and all the of all the pursuits of your life that you aspire to achieve, what if that, that phrase would simply ring true in your, in your head when you wake up in the morning and when you eat your lunch at noon and when you go to bed at night and you go, God, your grace is sufficient for me. Your grace, God, is sufficient for me. I don't need anything else. And I was, I was thinking about poor Paul, in the midst of this, talking about what life had been like and for him to be content with God's grace being sufficient, I thought to myself, I think I could probably spend the rest of my life pursuing what it means to understand the grace of God. And then maybe I would find a piece of contentment as I began to understand his grace. In relation to me, because we use this word grace in a flippant way. We say grace before dinner, uh, people dance with grace. Uh, English language is really weird this way because the depth of the word grace as it appears in Scripture is so profound. It has such richness to it that I think you could take one simple piece of grace and you could probably pursue it for a number of years, and the more that you felt like you understood grace, you might actually walk away and go, I really don't have a clue. And so I wanna break this down for you a little bit, that I feel like there's four pieces of grace that people need to understand um, to fully pursue an understanding of God's grace. And the first one is this, to fully understand grace, you first need to know that, friend, you are in need of grace. You are in need of the grace of God. In Ephesians, the same writer, Paul, the same guy that wrote 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, which we previously read, wrote to another church in a town called Ephesus that you could find on a map, historically exists. Uh, He said this, as for you, he's writing to this church, and so I want you to hear this as if Paul is writing a letter to you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All of your mistakes, your transgressions and sins, you were dead in them. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit that is now worked at work in those who are disobedient. He's saying, look, when you lived in a worldly manner, I don't have to draw it out for you what sin looks like. He's saying you were dead You were hopeless. There was nothing for you when you were living that way. And he makes this acknowledgement that it's not just you. All of us also lived among them at one time. We gratified the cravings of our sinful, sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And he says, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And what he means by that, that you need to understand that you're in need of grace In living in a sinful manner, it puts the crosshairs of judgment upon your back. It is the laser dot of death and judgment that is placed upon you based on how you're living, and it's hopeless, except that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead, In transgressions it is by grace that you have been saved would you spend a year exploring how you are in need of grace and what that grace looks like because when we were an object of God's wrath out of his mercy out of his goodness he stepped in and saved you because you are in need of it that's the first thing you have to understand about grace is that we're in need of it. And the second thing that we need to understand about grace is that it's freely given, but it's not free at cost. I think that's a mistake that some people make, is we think, oh, uh, the grace of God, it's, it's it's just a free gift, which is true. It is a free gift. It is a gift that is given freely, but it comes at great cost of the giver. And I don't know if you remember about a month ago, I was talking about uh, the best gifts meet, meet like physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. If you could wrap those gifts all up in one, it would be the perfection of gift giving. And that is what God did and demonstrated for us in Christ when he died on the cross. That gift was not free, but it is freely given, and we cannot make that mistake as we look And I think my favorite and sometimes the hardest piece of understanding grace (laughs) is that you need to receive it. To fully understand the grace of God, you have to receive it. In Christ Jesus, in this verse, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In order to fully understand the grace of God, you have to receive it. It It is by grace that you have been saved through faith so that no one can boast. There's no amount of work that you could do to earn it. If, if Paul could go back and sit down with the writer of Ecclesiastes, he would go, look, there's no number of gardens that you can plant, there's no number of businesses you can start, there's no, no amount of wealth that you can amass that is gonna satisfy your heart the way that the truth of Jesus Christ, crucified, died, and resurrected for your soul can offer you and it's free because there's no way that God is wanting anyone to think that they could do something to earn the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that verse for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. The last piece that we need to be aware of fully understand grace is that not only do you have to receive it, if you want to fully understand grace, you need to learn how to offer it. You've got to find a way to wrap your arms around this idea that I'm getting something that is so good that I don't deserve, and it's so good, why would I hide it? Why would I conceal it? Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I share it with the world if I truly believe that it's the life-giving truth of who Christ is? Matthew chapter 5, I, this, there's no better way to say it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You, as a follower of Christ, you are called to be the salt of the earth, to add flavor, to add All goodness to this earth, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the room. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise not you, but your Father in heaven. I love that every week we get to celebrate communion together. This is a study of grace. When we come to the Lord's table, we get to to remember that we were dead in our sins and transgressions and that we were at a point of hopelessness and that we are in need of grace. Grace. And when we come to the Lord's table, we get to remember that this gift was not free for the giver. It is a gift that is freely given, but it was at the highest cost. We remember that it's Jesus' body broken. We remember that it's his blood shed, innocent body, innocent blood shed on our behalf. Something that we don't deserve. And when we take it, we literally receive it again. We get to remember that sacrifice. And we remember that it's not by my works but by the grace of God that I am saved. (laughs) Lord God, I love that you make all things new. Father, I'm Grateful, humbled, and just brought to a point of joy to think that there's no better way to start a year than to renew our souls with you. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that your grace is sufficient that your grace is enough. And as we explore what your grace is, we'll come to a place of peace in appreciating what it is. We'll come to a point of contentment where everything else of this world becomes a little less and you become a little more. All of that requires our humility, in our obedience. And many times, Father, we are weak in that. But Paul says that we can rejoice because your power is made so evident in our weaknesses. So, Father, I ask that you step into them. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
1: I hope 2023
0: finds you pursuing God in a way that you didn't in 2022. I pray that if you're you're pursuing more of something, that it would be more of him and less of you. That is where you'll find joy and contentment. It's good to see you. We hope to see you again next week and worship him together. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or eleven thirty a.m. in Grand Island and at ten fifteen a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.